Hello, and welcome to the Innovate IPM podcast, where we are passionate about the future of the industrial projects professions, presenting you the best of project management, people, and practices, combining the wisdom of time-tested methods with the cutting-edge technologies and advancements that are modernizing our craft. Our mission is to contribute to the growth and progress of the industrial project management community. It's time to talk scope, schedule, and budget. Let's start the show. Hey there, Innovate IPM community. It is Rob Williams, your host of the Innovate IPM podcast. I'm so glad to be here with you today. Today on this episode, we're going to talk to Mr. Drew Horsley. Drew is the founder and owner-operator of Molitium Human Career Firm. You might call it a staffing company, but Drew calls it a human career firm, and you're going to really enjoy this conversation. When I meet someone who is as unique in their professional approach as Drew, it gives me hope for the human side of professional, our professional industrial world, because let's be honest, in the process-driven, punch list-driven, specked-out world of construction and engineering and the energy sectors, uh, we could use more people who behave more like people and treat people more like people, especially in leadership. And for those of you out there who are already there and growing into this people-first mentality, I commend you. I support you. I appreciate you. Drew goes deep into his philosophy and how his own personal challenges have affected his professional approach. I really think this was one of the best conversations we've had on the show and I look forward to continuing the relationship and this conversation with Drew because he's now a friend and a colleague. You're going to want to listen to this one all the way to the end. But before we jump into it, you can go to Innovate IPM and you can subscribe. We've been getting lots of subscribers lately, so I thank you very much for that. You can also contact me there or on LinkedIn. Those of you who know me know I love having conversations with people in the industry. I love talking about entrepreneurship, content creation, technology, project controls, project management, and any other tangent you want to go down, don't be shy. Just schedule a 15 minutes. It's a, there's a calendar function on the, on the website, and that'll help you determine what's a good time to talk. And let's see if we can work together. Perhaps you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show. Perhaps you have a business opportunity you'd like to discuss or you need some career advice, perhaps you want to chat about the future of the industry, or whatever. I'm here. Let's talk. I have some additional exciting news. Mr. Cesar Ramos of Advanced Planning Analytics, also interviewee from episode number two. Uh, we have put to, collaborated to put together a TIC estimating for industrial projects training class through July It'll be on Saturdays, and uh, we'll have all the information out there soon in the next day or so. The event uh, pages will be up on that website, and you'll start seeing things on LinkedIn as well. Total install cost estimating or TIC estimating, that's how we determine how much a project's budget should be, how we determine if a project is economically viable, but it's much more than that too, right? We all, you're going to hear uh, me and quite a few of my guests, we say it all the time that project failure rate is dismal. The vast majority of project failures are due to uh, largely improper FEL, but 
It's a TIC estimate. That is the crowning deliverable of the FEL process. The disciplines uh, is too often handed off as just another deliverable, just a number. But true TIC estimating practitioners have disciplined processes, deep knowledge, and special tools to get it right. And this happens to be my bread and butter. So if you've heard me talk, you know that this is what I do for a living. So I'm happy to present my knowledge. And I train on this all the time uh, internally at the company I work and at other companies I have worked for in the past. So this ain't my first rodeo. Um, and I'm looking forward to working with Caesar on this project. And if you're a project manager, program manager, current estimator, or just want to know more about estimating, perhaps you want to transition into it as a career, hit me up. I'll send you the details or be looking for our post on LinkedIn. Lastly, we are five stars on iTunes, and I want to thank everyone so much for getting us there. If you haven't already done so, please go there. Give us a rating. Give us a review. The more ratings and reviews we have, the more the iTunes algorithm will drive people to us so that we can continue to grow the Innovate IPM community. Now, let's talk with Drew. All right. Hey, Drew Horsley, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Good. I'm glad you made it out. So you came across town? Yeah, swung around from Richmond down here, so about an hour drive-ish. I had to take it a little slow today because there was a pretty good thunderstorm on my side of town, but here in one piece can't complain man that's good to hear i like having people in the studio so i don't always get the luxury Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of our guests are from out of state or sometimes out of the country so it's really pleasant to have uh, somebody sitting here with me Mm -hmm. all right good to be here cool man so we're going to talk a little bit about militium Molithium. 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 Don't worry about it. I've been saying it wrong the whole time. (laughs) I had to listen to Google Voice for like the first week when I picked the name to even get it right myself. So I almost expect people to get it wrong and maybe they'll remember it. I don't feel so bad now. No, you shouldn't at all. So molithium. 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 Yeah, so uh, it stands for resilience and it's Latin because Latin sounds fancy and that's why I picked it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's powerful. Yeah. I can tell you, I'm mean, looking at the website and your logo and all that. It was uh, more interestingly, I, I think was uh, your, your, I guess it's your slogan, defiantly human. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that was the thing that caught my eye when uh, when we first connected. Mm-hmm. Tell me about defiantly human. Well, first, when I knew I had picked the right one, I was kind of wrestling with a few different um, things. I do know I wanted it to be, you know, two words, but I ran it by my sister, who is very. Um, you know, kind of appropriately professional, which isn't my style. And when she was like, defiantly is kind of a heavy word. I was like, I got it. Like I (laughs) nailed it. So the whole human part is that um, it sounds like, you know, it's just a simple kind of question to be posed, but it's a bit, I guess, more dynamic than that. Um, So throughout my career and um, I guess my life to begin with, or for, for that matter, um, I came out of school, kind of the typical situation. I was headstrong and I was going to conquer the world and I was going to bust my ass and be this really successful person. And I sat out, you know, I was doing that there for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so the reason why resilience is militium is because I hit a lot of um, really hard parts of, of my life. So I kind of went up to the top and then had a really hard fall. And then now I'm, I'm back out of mm-hmm. it, you know, thank God. But in that, in that sort of, uh, you know, roller coaster, I learned, I gained a new perspective on everything. And so when you've gone from 
suit and ties, you know, conference calls, boardrooms, I'm important business cards type things, right? And then you're down and you're, you know, staring at the ceiling of, you know, uh, you know, of a room and or like underneath and you're looking at the top bunk in a rehab or something, right? Yeah. Or you're like staring at the ceiling of a jail cell mm. or you're laying on a park bench just kind of staring up at the night sky wondering like, how the hell did I get here? And what I realized in that journey is that like, I'm not a big shot. I'm really not that important. And in fact, nobody really is. We all like to think that we're that important. And that what I found is that I was wearing a mask um, a lot through my initial endeavors. And um, I was playing a character and I was playing a character in a play that I essentially was trying to run um, because of my own my own ego, I guess, for for lack of a better way to put it. And even though it wasn't intentional and it wasn't terribly far off, I, I can look back on it and say that I kind of lost who I was at my core mm -hmm. in order to satisfy other people. I was seeking more um, admiration or affection or uh, compensation and essentially a, a sense of validation from other people um, to give myself an identity and my self-worth, right? Mm -hmm. And what that does is it makes you, or it, I'll keep it in the, the self, it makes me vulnerable um, to other people. Uh, some people think very highly of me. Some people think very lowly of me, but I can't let other people's thoughts and other things that are out of my control affect who I am, my state of being, my serenity, my identity, my dignity. Um, and so I kind of made up my mind. It wasn't like I made up my mind, but I kind of had this revelation, so to speak, mm -hmm. that moving forward, I just wasn't going to do that anymore. Yeah. Um, I'm just who I am. Everybody is if they want to act differently, more or less important. That's up to them. It, 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 I say oftentimes it, it, that has nothing to do with me. Um, I'm the only person that I have to spend every second of every day with. And so, you know, when I look in the mirror, it's, you know, it's just me looking back. And so I don't, or unless, you know, hopefully yeah. <laughs> it's just somebody <laughs> creeping up behind me. But, um, but yeah, so, um, so I just got to where I, um, you know, I, I decided that I'm just not going to deviate that. And if that means I lose money, if that means that I piss somebody off, if I don't conform into some situation where I'm supposed to act as if, then then that's fine. Because the long term profit of, of knowing that I lived who I was meant to be is completely worth it. So that's mm -hmm. the human aspect. And so in my work, I don't really expect much more of the people that I interact with. And it makes me less judgmental. And it makes me much more forgiving and hopefully a better person towards them. So nice. Yeah. yeah. Very well put. Um, I think it's interesting. You're you're in staffing. Mm -hmm. Molithium is a staffing firm. Correct. <clears throat> you work primarily in oil and gas, correct? I started in oil and gas. Okay. Um, yeah. So most of my client base is still oil and gas. I have been trying to get, um, I, I focus in the automation engineering and operational technology area. And there's other um, verticals yeah. that focus in that. So I've been trying to get more. I do some manufacturing. I had a big year last year in water, wastewater to kind of diversify, mm -hmm. um, kind of hedge against my exposure for market fluctuations. Yeah. I think, and this is the reason I bring this up uh, now, and we can talk more about that in a, in a moment. But I, the reason I bring that up now is because what you're talking about uh, with the defiantly human, with being vulnerable in your business and in life and understanding um who you are, you bring that kind of self-awareness to your business. And I think that that's an important thing that we probably miss out a lot on in the business that we're in the types of businesses that we're talking about. I think there's a lot of ego that goes into it. There's a lot of guys and, and gals, quite honestly, mm -hmm. who, um, who, who put that mask on every day 
show up to work or show up to operate their business. And, and that's the, the world that they live in. We had a, we had a guy, um, Tom Cronin on a couple of weeks ago. He's a, he's a meditation uh, coach mm-hmm. out of Sydney, Australia. Yeah. It was really good having Tom on because we had a fresh perspective mm-hmm. like I'm getting from you right now, right? We had this nice fresh perspective about how the workplace and how the business environment sort of defines who we are as people. And what I see happening from you and the reason that I wanted you to come on the show is because you're sort of bucking that whole idea mm-hmm. and you're doing things your way. Mm-hmm. And I commend you for that. I think that's really awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah, you bet. If you want to talk about business, so let's, let's, so let's talk about, uh, let's dig a little deeper into to what you do as a staffing agency. Um, yeah, so I, as I mentioned, I focus in automation engineering and operational technology. So, um, you know, pretty one-on-one stuff. I'll have clients that um, it's a niche within a niche. So basically, you'll have your vertical oil and gas, uh, manufacturing, water, wastewater, food and bev, whatever it may be. And they have these systems that I guess the best way to put it, um, do date acquisition, um, where they, they get data from whatever system they're working on and right. they, and they pull it in and that way it's organized. It's getting to the people, whether it's executives or operators or accountants and, um, and it automates everything. And it's that whole thing where people will say, everything's getting automated and costing jobs. Well, not in my world, those people <laughs> that automate that I'm getting them jobs. Right. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's what I do. I have, um, so a lot of my clients would like to work with me because I understand their world, what the what the capacities of what they're looking for are. Um, most of the requests for my clients are not full job descriptions. I actually don't like those really at all. It's a text message, a sentence or two. I know mm-hmm. what they need. I, I know the technology, the type of um, person they'd be looking for, the capacity, what how they're able to execute their skill set in that environment towards that technology. So um, kind of connecting the dots, matchmaker. It's a lot like dating. You know, this person wants this thing, and this person wants this thing, and you see if it's if it's a good relationship for them. So excellent. Yeah, yeah. I, I like the idea that uh, that you don't like job descriptions. Mm-hmm. People people that uh, read my blog posts and listen to my podcast know that I'm kind of anti job description. Mm-hmm. Not anti, but I, I warn people about having to fall into that. That especially young career people, they look at the job description, they try to build their whole training and their early college years around those job descriptions, but, but really it's much more important than that. What, what's the difference to you, um, between job description and say skill set? So the job description has usually gone through some formal process, which I don't like formal processes to begin with. Right. Like working for yourself is Sounds great like, yeah. if you're rebellious <laughs> and you like to do things your way and you you're like your to be, company too, by the way. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, good for you. Um, and so, so yeah, um, it's gone through a formal process. And what happens is there's all the fluff, team player and blah, blah, blah. And then um, then there's the the skills and qualifications part. And that's where a lot of it can make my job difficult because what I do, <laughs> what I do is I um I work directly with the manager. So they're gonna tell me what they need. And the way that I equate it is when I was in college, I went to class and I heard from the professor, you know, what they wanted me to know. And that was right. much more effective than reading the whole textbook, right? right? So I, there's a lot of information that's not relevant. And so what a candidate will do if they have a job description, there might be three bullet points in a job description that are actually relevant and what the manager actually wants. Then you've got 15 other bullet points that are insignificant. Um, they don't really need to have it, but it right. makes it out to be like they do. So what it does is it takes a good candidate, 
and it talks them out of the position, right? Or at the very least, it it, it reduces their confidence that they could be a good mm-hmm. fit. And so to me, it creates much many more problems than it actually um, than advantages. And sometimes on the on the flip side of that is I do have problems with people who want job descriptions, and it's kind of like, oh, ye of little faith. I know what I'm doing. I know this is what they need. I know that you would want to talk to them. I'm not in the business of wasting anybody's time. Yeah. So, and that's awesome. On your website too, you you don't call yourself a staffing company. So I, I made the mistake of calling you a staffing firm just a second ago, but you actually call yourself a human career firm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So elaborate on that. Well, and actually, that's the, with the whole terminology. I've been trying to get better about not saying resumes and saying people yeah, or even yeah. candidates. Um, you know, people aren't. One of the things that frustrates me about the industry um, and some of the environments that I've been in is candidates are essentially inventory and clients are essentially potential revenue. And it's very warm bodies. Yeah, Yeah. it's impersonal. Um, Nobody like, okay, some people do. I shouldn't I shouldn't say that there are a lot of good people in recruiting. I'm not like some shining example. Trust me, I'm flawed like everybody else. But a lot of times it's just it's it's so impersonal to they really don't seem to care about that person. Almost as if they've never interviewed anywhere or they've never been, you know, on their ass trying to get something better or just advance their career as if they don't have a family or loved ones relying on what's going on with their career and how much this can mean for them. Mm -hmm. Or the fact that that person's going to spend more time at work than they are at home, you know. Um, And so just be cognizant of that. I I wish that I saw that more. Um, And so in that regard, I have to understand the importance of of the position for that for that person, you know. for their career, for their loved ones, for their earning potential, for the aspirations they may have had since they've been in college. And then on, on the other side of that, people will say that, you know, they act as if clients are um, just managers that are part of some giant company that are spending other people's money to kind of maybe fill something here and there because they have the ability to do so. You know, that that manager has a task that's given to them by their manager. So let's say it's a manager and their director gives them a task, Right. Well, they're supposed to accomplish that task to get to get in good graces or to, to meet the, the requirements of what their job is right, for that right. director. So that person that they're hiring then becomes inherent in that effort. Uh, not inherent. It, be, it becomes crucial and um, ingrained in that effort mm-hmm. for them to try to accomplish that task. They're not just hiring a body to put on a team and give them a chair and a laptop, right? And a phone yeah. and a stapler. Like that person's helping achieve a larger goal and that manager has a career and they have a family and they have aspirations and they get up with an alarm and shower and fight traffic every day to go do what they do. Right. And just trying to remind myself of that as much as I can. I think um, it serves the people I work with better and Mm -hmm. and it ultimately serves my efforts better. Um, Yeah. So from my side. Yeah, definitely. I would imagine. So how do you, how do you find people? How do you find staffers? So when you're when I was early um, in, in in farming my niche, I guess you could say a lot of it was ground zero. Um, you know, LinkedIn revolutionized the recruiting game. It made it very easy for for people like me to go out on our own. Um, we didn't have to rely on resources of larger agencies mm-hmm. and it was easier to. LinkedIn is basically like a virtual business conference. You can go up and you can introduce people. You can see what somebody's doing, you know, as if they have, a, you know, one of those tables or, you know, whatever you call those things, an exhibit. And exhibit. You, you can see what they're doing. You can yeah. get business leads. You can kind of tie in. You can put your own marketing material out for essentially free. Um, and so you start connecting. You start connecting. People are like, well, recruiters just play around on LinkedIn. And that's not false, really. Um, 
you know, the right and left clicking to where, you know, the LinkedIn algorithm doesn't notice that you're just trying to connect with a bunch of people you don't know and locks your account. And so you just start farming and building that. And the thing is, is that once you've done it year one, year two, year three, um, you start to know people and then those people start to know you. Mm -hmm. And then so mm -hmm. when you get stuck, um, there's some other, you know, creative ways that you can you can go about it. But one of the best ways is to say, hey, Paula, you know, do you know of anybody with this skill set? Because I'm having trouble finding them. Right. And then you can have people say, you know, if somebody they know is looking, you know, that I don't I'm not aware of. They can say, you need to contact this guy, Drew. <laughs> I enjoyed working with him, um, which kind of goes back to the last thing we were talking mm -hmm. about. And um, and he focuses in this, you know, he could really be valuable for you. So it's, it's a machine. It starts to build on itself um, to where after doing it for 13 years, I end up having an extremely large amount of a value um, by being able to find candidates and, and groom that niche to where I'm, I become kind of part of it, so to speak. Right. Yeah. So are you exclusively using LinkedIn? Well, I have LinkedIn and I have my database. So the first place I go to uh, in my database is Windows files. Like I keep it non-technology right. on yeah, purpose, yeah. the whole personal thing. So, so that's the best way to be. I'm, I'm learning that more and more every day. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I go to my database and then... Um, you know, hopefully it's somebody that I've worked with recently. If not, then I go to LinkedIn, um, my network first, and then I'll use my recruiter search tool. But the whole time that I post mm -hmm. and then I have people that know me like my post and um, it goes out my networks, uh, a large majority are people in the industry that I would place. So they're seeing it. Um, and then I'm getting people on the phone, you know, or, or just messaging them a lot these days. Yeah. Um, do you know of somebody? Do you know of somebody? Yeah. And that way I can have a value that a recruiter who just got on or just in the industry wouldn't have because they haven't um, been building that for so long. Right. Yeah. Okay. Let's, uh, if you don't mind, let's talk about the business aspects of this. Cause I think it's, I think it's really interesting for one that, that LinkedIn is your primary. A lot of us are using LinkedIn for uh, a variety of reasons. I'm a huge fan of LinkedIn and, and I'm, I'm ramping up all the content I can get out. I know you're also doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, in particular, you've got a fish tank talk. Yeah. Tell us about the fish tank. Talk. So I just filmed it. I haven't put it out yet. It's just one of the okay. the videos. I try to get some constant content out. Yeah. And one of the things is that, you know, I like recruiting. So recruiting topics are good maybe for other recruiters. People usually like to talk about what they do if, if you can't tell. Yeah. Um, but the, the ones that kind of a general people can get something out of, I've been trying to angle it more that way. So I have this fish tank and um, I caught some <laughs> flack because I had, uh, there was this, this lady that does a lot of video content and she was kind of making the point of whether it's worth doing something yourself or paying somebody to do it. Right. Okay. And the more successful you get, the more you're like, I don't like, I'm busy enough where if I wanted to spend a few hours doing something, I'd rather just be working because it's a better use of my time. So anyways, I pay this guy to clean my fish tank. Right. And, um, and so they kind of put some playful jabs, but it's it sort of, um, stuck in my head. And I was like, you know what? And I had this light bulb go off. And so I filmed this this video with some content and I gave like some little advice. And I'm like, well, the reason why I'm filming this in front of my fish tank and calling it a fish tank talk is that this fish tank is now a marketing tool. And so since it's related to my profession and I'm putting, you know, mm -hmm. it's related to my industry, blah, blah, blah. I'm putting it out on LinkedIn. So this is now part of my business. It needs to look good and it needs to be maintained and yeah. so therefore the maintenance on this fish tank now that thing that i got you know kind of mocked it about or whatever is now a tax write-off and it's saving me money so there's <laughs> things that you can do that are kind of clever working for yourself and i beautiful. thought some people would get some value out of that yeah absolutely beautiful so you're you're growing a presence on linkedin you've grown you're, you're actually 
fairly well known on LinkedIn. Yeah. You got, a lot of, you got a lot of content going out right now. What about the what about the staffers that you're looking for? Would you have any advice to them as to how they can? Because they may not be, you know, they're, they're probably not business people for one. They're probably mm-hmm. not thinking about creating content like you and I are. Mm-hmm. But they they would do well to set themselves up well on on LinkedIn. You got any advice for them? Well, and actually, on a side note, one of the things I did leave out, which they could also participate in. I'm assuming you mean can't like the candidates. The candidates, yeah. yeah. Um, is that there's conferences, like attend the conferences, because when you're meeting people in person, um, that's another thing that I've been able to do. And then and then there's a lot of candidates that I mm-hmm. met that way where you can kind of it's weird these days, you don't get much of a personal touch. But then back to LinkedIn, um, mm-hmm. what it, what a candidate should do is connect with people in their industry. Um, they need to follow companies that they may want to work for. They need to follow recruiters who focus in their niche, mm-hmm. like myself. And I'm not the only one, you know. Um, Please, like, you know, my advice is follow other recruiters who do automation engineering and sure. operational technology. If they have, um, you know, on LinkedIn, if they have a Twitter handle, um, so that way they kind of know the options that are out there. Um, once you have that built up, then basically, if you're looking for work, you know people to contact. I mean, if you're flat out of a job, you're not worried about getting fired. So you can write, hey, I'm looking for work. Is anybody, you know, you put it out there. Right. I, you know, I have responses the other way. Hey, does anybody know this? And, you know, when people reach out because it's just that timing thing that it could be there. Yeah. Um, other than that, I mean, it's it's like anything else, keeping keeping your presence up, not being. Here's another thing I'll tell people, and it's kind of hard for them to do, but eventually they can get desperate enough to do it if they really need a job. Is if you find like an HR manager at a company you want to work for or a manager that, you know, has a team of where you would want to work, find them on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. call the main number of the company ask for them, mm-hmm. get them on the phone, tactfully introduce yourself, and um, you'll immediately come out of the pack of all the electronic candidates, people that they that they get. Um, so that's one of the most efficient ways. Just a lot of people, you know, engineers aren't really known for, you know, sales calls. Right, um, right. But if they can do that, that helps out a lot. Yeah, that, that's kind of worked for me too. You know, you, you the thing about social media, particularly LinkedIn and, and any social media, and I, I even think like some of the some of the more consumer type social medias like Instagram and Facebook are becoming better for these kinds of things as well. But it levels the playing field. I might not be able to go down the hall and talk to the CEO of XYZ, you know, engineering firm. But if I get on LinkedIn, I can probably connect with him mm-hmm. and I can shoot him a message. Right. right? So yeah. it's, it's really uh, it's really nice, uh, nice way to go about it. So what do you think the future of staffing looks like? Um, for, well, there's, it's kind of a twofold question for the industry. I think it's just going to be more of kind of the, the technology things. There's these yeah. systems, ATS is applicant tracking systems, and you can push out mass mass emails and, you know, enter data and, um, you know, do the things that I, I intentionally don't do because it, it seems to be impersonal. But I mean, the thing is, is that you can make a lot of money that way, you know, and that's going to drive a lot of that. Um. I would like to think that some people are going to realize um, that niche recruiting is the way to go. I put a lot of I'm, I just started putting content out, but I'm going to keep putting content out so that people can maybe have, you know, my lifestyle and my value to a client. That's like find a niche, yeah. work it like a person, not like you're like a part of a, of a larger machine and get personal. You'll be happier. You'll, you'll make people happier. Yeah. And so from my point, I'm hoping to drive a little bit of a future to where people because it's easier to go out independently that there could be a lot more independent recruiters um and then you know with fewer influence from the larger agencies yeah 
Um, the people who are part of an agency will be very system-based. They will continue to be system-based. They will use social media. Um, I don't know how that's ever going to change because it's pretty much everybody's connected in real time. So unless there's other things that come out that keep keep people connected in real time that can be reached like that, I think it's going to be, um, yeah, I think it's just kind of going to kind of be a lot more of that. Yeah. What about things like uh, working remotely? Are we going to see more of that? Are we going to see more um, secundant employees at larger organizations? Right. For for employees that don't have to physically be on site. Um, like in a video, I made an example like an auto mechanic. Okay, you gotta you gotta be there right. to work on a car. Um, any job that can be performed on a computer with a telephone and a video conference um, will ultimately be a remote position. I don't know how long that's going to take. Um, there's cost savings. There's um, and, and in my line of work, if you if you're allowed to work that way, mm -hmm. um, you'll ask for less money you will take that job and sure. you will not want to leave that job. If I call on somebody who's a remote employee, 99% of the time, they're not even open to hearing something else unless it's remote or unless they're paying $40,000 seriously more on salary right. to make it worth them going into an office. So on my clients and I try to tell them that most of mine are service companies. So it's usually their client that's like, they have to be on site. Right. As the culture changes, that's going to change. And if you're not changing with that, you're, you'll, your competition's going to bury you. I don't know how long that's going to take, but ultimately um, that's going to be the situation. And the people, who, yeah. it's going to be like blockbuster video. Like if you're not on that 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 new wave, you're just going to be lost in the in, in the dust. So it makes sense. I mean, if you're if you're uh, if you have the opportunity to work remotely, you're not driving, you're not uh, wasting extra time in the morning, you're not dealing with the stress. Mm -hmm. You know, you're just talking about how how long it's going to drive to the studio today. I've been living. Uh, well, now I have a really close day job that I report to, but for many years I was driving your direction and it took me over an hour every day. Mm -hmm. Just the stress alone. I mean, by the time I got to work, I was done, you know, mm -hmm. I, I was like pancake batter trying to, trying to do work all day. So yeah, it makes total sense. Yeah. And so there's the, there's the time spent in the car and commuting. And then, uh, if I have an alarm bell go off at nine, 10, 11 at night, yeah. With literally under a minute, I'm at my desk, my full desk with my full computer, with my print, like with everything. Mm -hmm. And so the ability to adapt when it's not nine to five is a huge plus that a lot of people don't think yeah. about. So you got you got time savings, you got productivity savings, you got cost savings, and you got an increased response time. It sounds like a, a no brainer, right? Yeah. What about emerging? So we were talking a little about data. Um, there's a lot of talk about digital transformation. 4.0. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. What kind of emerging skill sets do you see being requested by employers right now that maybe weren't the norm just a few years ago? In the in the operational technology and automation yeah, in my niche. niche? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So this IoT, this industry 4.0, and I know there if there's any like engineers talking about this, they may be like, he's not exactly right. But give me okay. I follow it. I'm a recruiter, but I followed enough to know right, what's right. going on. So historically you would have these polling engines you'd have these servers where all the instrumentation would go how can i say this where people care okay so it would go into this like polling engine and then basically this system would go out and grab data periodically and you'd get this like massive amounts of data and you didn't even really need all of it and so on and so forth right. so basically a lot of times managers have have equated it to me like a facebook messenger what's happening now is data is getting in the cloud it's going on servers there's this whole mqtt protocol push where you basically have um, a publisher and a subscriber. So the, these instrument, these systems and these data points, um, which now have their own servers on them, can basically talk real time. Mm -hmm. as the, so there's no delay in the information. 
and they can also um, customize the type of information they're pushing out and the type of information they're wanting to pull in. So it becomes more relevant and more efficient. And so everything's just real time talking to each other and it makes this industry 4.0. So what it's done on the, on the, the talent side is that there's becoming fewer of the industrial, mechanical, electrical engineers. Um, those will always be there where they kind of come from the instrumentation into the control system side. What you're doing now is you're seeing um, a big move towards just pure software developers coming in, people who are much more proficient in programming languages, right. um, uh, people who are good in cloud technologies. More of the IT people are kind of being drug in from that side mm. and having to just learn the automation engineering. Um because they can they can contribute um, on the way that things are going with that type of technology yeah. better than an engineer trying to learn software development. Mm. So that's very interesting. I never really thought about pulling them in from that direction. Very cool. Well, listen, is there uh, is there anything else you want to touch on? Um, not. I mean, I could obviously talk about a whole whole bunch of things, but one of the things I guess um, in a general sense that not only do I try to do just to, I try, and I don't do it all the time. I try to treat people well and, you know, be kind and whatever. But one of my big pushes is that I don't, part of the defiantly human thing is I don't, I, I guess, I guess you could say it bothers me because I've been in those environments to know that there's good people who are trying to just succeed, who are kind of trapped in there and that there's it's not as hard as i thought it was to get out um and to be able to do what i do and so i try to get things out there or talk to people um to help to help them um personally and career advance and so just to to note that it's one of the things other than my typical job that i put effort into doing is to try to spread um, this notion of people being humans and then also to the people for them to be independent and enjoy the type of lifestyle that they may be missing out of because it's night and day um, from what they would have to do or deal with um, working in that type of boiler room environment. Yeah, for sure, man. That's uh, that's good words and, and that motivates me and I know it's going to motivate the audience as well. Um, man, we've talked about a lot of stuff already, right? We talked about vulnerability digital transformation topics. We've talked about content creation. We've talked about uh, remote work and humans over job descriptions, probably my favorite thing. And, and just to add to that, transitions out of that boilerplate room to a, to a more niche, more human existence is, uh, is possible and easier than people think. Mm-hmm. So I think it's very cool. Uh, mm-hmm. How can people get a hold of you? Um, you know, they can direct message me on LinkedIn, you okay. know, Drew Horsley. Um, on my, uh, my profile, there's, you know, my email. Um, I just started a Twitter handle, like, okay. please follow me on that. I think I have like three or four, but if you want some like real time, <laughs> I'm gonna you know, you. things to hit your phone, if you're looking for work, it doesn't hurt to know what's, what's out there. And I still, you know, I still post them out to my three or four followers. So that'd be cool. Um, and my cell phone number's out there on all my videos at the okay. end, my contact information's at the end of all my videos and most of it's on my profile. Okay. And we'll link all that in the show notes too. So people can find it easily. Great, man. I appreciate you coming on. This has been an excellent talk. And uh, you know what? I want to continue this conversation as well. So maybe we can uh, do another one here in the near future. Anytime. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Thank you.